Hello, all. Welcome to the X Millennial Man Podcast, podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and it was just too much tea, and I couldn't take it. I, it was, I was getting too hot, so I had to bring in the second hottest other host, and that's uh, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. This isn't going to help people thinking that we're not brothers. <laughs> when you say stuff like that. We were uh, just, no, it's, it's windy and cold in St. Louis, man. We were just talking about The Last of Us, and I need to accept no. that middle-aged, hairy dude like me can be gay. So I guess that's Yeah, it. well, I haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil <laughs> Well, there, spoil I just anything. spoiled the whole thing for you right there. No, I just I know <laughs> that Nick Offerman plays a gay guy with another actor who's gay in real life. So I heard it's a great episode. Though. Yeah, it's a, you're watching White Lotus. He's on White Lotus. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I'm only on season one right now. No, I think he's in season one. I can't. Is Murray he in Bart- season one? Murray Bartlett, I think, is his name. Hold on a second. Let me do a little bit of research mm-hmm. here. Murray Bartlett is. He's my favorite character in season one of White <laughs> <Lotus>. He <laughs> plays Armand. Okay. Right, I know who that is. <laughs> so there's, there's our HBO Max minute. Yeah. We're going to talk about some sports records. But before we get to it, we really haven't done this in a while because I try to keep these podcasts somewhat evergreen. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, the first five minutes here or so is going to be extremely timely. I'm going to start with the upcoming big football super game bowl. That is, we're recording this a couple days before the the Philadelphia Eagles playing the Kansas City referees. And um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> still, I'm still a little bitter here. Yes, I do agree with Travis Kelsey. Our mayor here can be quite the jabroni. Um <laughs> And that has nothing to do with his politics. I actually, Mayor Piraval, I'm okay with his politics, but yeah, that yeah, that was just dumb. It was rough game. It was uh, well, it wasn't roughing the passer on Joe Burrow, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's uh, uh, you know, I, I've gotten to the point, Ty, where yes, Kansas City won that game. It's sure. <laughs> they were the better team on that uh-uh. day. And I hate, and I think looking forward here, Burrow and Mahomes are making themselves out to be the Manning and Brady of their time. I just hope. Burrow's not on the Manning side of that equation, but uh, what's your thoughts on the game overall? So I I was rooting for Cincinnati uh, just because you and you and my nephew, your son, are big fans. They they have a bright future. As you texted me after the game and said, uh, "Well, it was a good season." I told you they have a very bright future, and they had multiple chances to win that game. For as poorly as they played, they still had a shot to win in the end. But that being said, I think Philadelphia is clearly the best team in the NFC, and I don't care what Christian McCaffrey has to say lately about the NFL is screwing them over by only letting them carry two quarterbacks, blah, 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 whatever. That doesn't matter. I think Philadelphia would have won regardless of who the quarterback was for San Francisco. And I think the Chiefs, if they're fully healthy, I think this is the best matchup the NFL could have hoped for. I would have loved to have seen Cincinnati in there again because I do like Joe Burrow. I do like Jamar Chase. But you got two great quarterbacks, a great offensive line, a, a running team against a passing team a defensive first team against an offensive first team, Andy Reid versus some coach who I don't know, but I loved watching him tell his kids they needed to be quiet during a press conference because <laughs> the one kid was mimicking him and making fun of him. <laughs> and I have no rooting interest. My our, our mom wants Kansas City to win because she's a Chiefs fan now that the Rams are gone. But I wouldn't mind seeing I, – I love Jalen Hurts, so I wouldn't mind seeing him win a Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a very good – relatively high scoring game but i do think the chiefs are going to come out on top and win yeah i will say when we're going up to the afc title game i was talking to my son and i said the chiefs have the best quarterback in football they have the best tight end in football they have maybe the number one defensive lineman in football this year they have one of the number one top corners in the league and then a bunch of average dudes so Mm -hmm. four or five positions they're the best at Elite, I go, yeah. whereas Cincinnati has second or third best quarterback, second or third best receiving core. My point was, I thought Cincinnati was a little bit more well-rounded than Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I still believe that. But, you know, sure. Mahomes, Kelsey, they all did what they had to do in that game. And so I look at Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is better than Cincinnati. And, I mean, they mm-hmm. just are. They're better defense. Yeah. They're, I actually think... Philadelphia. I think where I think what hurt Cincinnati against Kansas City was they didn't establish a running game. And you can run on Kansas City. They've done it in the past. The Bengals won three straight against them, and that's how they did it. Burrow didn't throw for 500 yards in those games. So I do think Philadelphia is going to win, but I hope Kansas City does. And I'm going to tell you, it's nothing against Philadelphia. I just, Mahomes 
capability to win a Super Bowl is closing. I mean, Burrow's yeah. coming. Trevor Lawrence is coming. Um, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. Yeah, the AFC is about to become brutal. And yeah. I think it would suck if everybody goes back and they look at Mahomes and go, five straight title games, but only one Super Bowl. I just, I feel like it'd be better for him to win that second one. I agree. And Jalen Hurts is younger and the NFC isn't as loaded as the AFC is. And yeah. If somebody said you have to pick a team to root for, root for Philly because I like Jalen Hurts a little bit more than Patrick Mahomes, but I have zero problems with Patrick Mahomes. I love, love, love Andy Reid. So whoever wins this game, kudos to those teams. They earn their spots here. And Philadelphia, I agree with you, Philadelphia definitely has a brighter future than than Kansas City does. And then uh, to get into the topic, but kind of a a little bridge here. So we're going to talk about some sports records that are essentially unbeatable. And we're going to start, we're going to talk about LeBron beating one of the unbeatable records just this last week. Before I do that, Ty, I got to say, biggest hype ever to give you nothing is the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant, um, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. I mean, just start referring to him as anti-Semitic. Yes, yeah. I mean, come on, that's got to be the record for the biggest bust. (laughs) Yeah, it was in just pure talent. It was funny because for people who don't know, Kevin Durant was traded to Phoenix. He is now a Phoenix Sun. That squad of guys is ripped apart, and I saw somebody say. You know, which was the bigger disappointment? It was a picture of the Nets with Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. And then it was Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. And without hesitation, it's the bottom group. It's Kevin Durant because Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce were past their prime. They were done. That was a trade that really helped Boston and hindered Brooklyn. Kevin Durant coming off injury is still he, – he came back. He's still Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, I cannot stand him, but he's a basketball talent that none like I've ever seen before. And James Harden is this incredible offensive player. And not only did they they not win a title, they only won one playoff series together. And with the vaccine mandate and James Harden asking out and Kyrie Irving doing his nonsense and Kevin Durant getting hurt every single year, I think they are the biggest disappointment in the history of sports. To put a collection of talent like that together – for three years, or I guess two and a half, two years if you only count the the one Harden year, to have that collection of talent and to only win one playoff series is a massive, colossal failure by the front office and those basketball players. And again, all three of them are incredibly talented and play the game of basketball like I've never seen before. But one playoff series, that's all Mm -hmm. they want, was one playoff series. People say, oh, Kevin Durant, if his foot was six inches back, he would have made a three and they would have beat Milwaukee. His foot wasn't. And they got beat. And that's how sports is. So I think that those those two, Irving and Durant, deciding to play together and then insisting they trade for James Harden and to only come out of that with one playoff series win is the biggest sports disappointment of all time. Yeah. Now on the other side of it, so this week, LeBron James broke the all-time scoring record. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's yep. record. And look, I've heard all the people, all the haters, Skip Bayless and them like, oh, but Kareem only did ever did it with one three-pointer or whatever. I don't care. And I'm going to talk about the football rushing record later and all the asterisks people put on that. Fact remains is LeBron James had, he actually did it in less minutes. So if you guys want to, if you want to, when I say less minutes, like 4,000 less minutes than what Kareem did. Also, uh, almost 150 less games played than what Kareem did. But neither here nor there. LeBron James has the record. It was it was a cool scene. He was able to do it in LA and all that stuff. Do you know who number three on that list is? Wilt, right? Nope. It's not Wilt Chamberlain? Carl Malone. Oh, God. Number four, <laughs> number four Kobe Bryant. And then oh, wow. number so five, Wilson. Michael Jordan. So Wilt's not even top five. Huh? He's seven. Yeah, Wilt is seven. Oh, wow. Who's six then? Uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and we're going to get to that. Some of these guys that are second or third on this list are going to be like, really, that who? But LeBron, I mean, most points ever. And again, when I talk about, I don't think anybody's going to call Emmett Smith the greatest running back ever but he still has the record. Do you think LeBron needs to be considered the greatest ever? I know the answer, but the audience needs well, no. to Well, <laughs> no, he, he doesn't need to be considered the greatest ever. And see, this is this is the problem I run into, and younger people, people in their early 30s, I can say that now because I'm 40, want to talk about how 
people 40 and older are all blah, blah, blah. The game was so much better back then. These are two different eras of basketball. And what I like so much about LeBron James is how he's able to bridge the gap in both eras. He kind of has a foot in one and a foot in another. I still personally think Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. And what, what was he? What is he on that list? He was fifth list? on that list. Yeah, so he's fifth on that list. That doesn't change the fact that I still, my watching basketball and then growing up and being away from it and then coming back to it, I still think what Michael Jordan did, the killer instinct he did, and you know, younger people are going to get mad at me, but the fact that he never lost in the finals makes me think that he is the greatest player of all time. But LeBron James is this otherworldly talent. He's a mix of Carl Malone due to his size, of Magic Johnson due to his passing, of... Gary Payton, when he decides he wants to play defense, LeBron bridges all these and he takes all these things from other eras and everything evolves, sports evolves. So, you know, for people to say, oh, it's because three-pointers aren't bent. Steph Curry's not going to break this record. And you want to talk mm-hmm. about three-point shooters, that's what he does. So He has LeBron, the record for most three-pointers already. And you're right, he's, <laughs> yeah. not, he's not even in the top, I think, 15 or so. No, and for LeBron to do this, what I think people don't understand and realize is that this is his 20th season playing professional basketball. You have to be consistent and you have to be healthy. The fact that he's been able to do this, the fact that he has not missed much time until these past three seasons is is incredible. The fact that he's doing this at 38 years old, 39 years old, however old he is now in the NBA, it's amazing what he's doing. That being said, I still think Michael Jordan is the greatest, but LeBron for me is a firm number two on that list. There's nobody that can catch up to him as of right now. And I'm just in awe that he did this, that he did it in LA, that he did it in front of his kids and wife. And I just think it's so cool that it happened. It couldn't happen to a better person. And, you know, my hat, my hat is off to LeBron James. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. And this is a record that I don't think will ever be broken. I agree. Cause a lot of these records we're going to talk about, they're longevity records. You have to play a long time to get mm-hmm. these records. Now and you have to stay healthy enough. Yes, to that's the, the that's everything. the other big thing is you have to stay healthy. I know one of the records my wife was talking about is like Roger Federer made the semifinal for like thirteen straight years. That's and, nuts in tennis. Dude. Yeah, but he was healthy, and that is mm-hmm. the, look longevity is one thing, being able to play the sport, but a little bit of luck goes a, a, a long way totally. too. But these players do take care of themselves, and I do think players are going to play longer. But when you think about it, LeBron's, he's like 38,000 or something points is where it's at right now. He can put a little bit of distance. He's probably got another year or two to play. But Yeah, especially if he wants to play with Bronny. Yeah. So, but again, it's, I mean, that list I gave you, there's like no active players on that list. No. Well, you said (laughs) Steph Curry was 15. Yeah, and so... You're talking about not only do you have to play a long time, but you have to be good. When I speak of a a particular football record later on, when I tell you how good you have to be to reach this record, it is insane to think about. But before I move away from basketball, there's actually three other records I want to talk about. Everybody knows about Wilt's 100-point game, so I'm not going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the most points uh, scoring average for a single season. Now, Wilt Chamberlain holds that. Can you guess... How many points wanna, he averaged? I want to say it's like something like 50.1 points a game. Oh, I know that it's something man, are you close? Like that, but I, you? I, I read enough and I know enough that it's 50.4. Like 50.4. Okay. Now, and nope. I'm not, people here, I'm not, <laughs> no, no. Like, I'm not looking at anything. No, so. no, no. Nobody else has above 40. No. In a season. That's, <laughs> so that record for Wilt, you know, the 50 points a game, even if it were just 40 points a game, that's like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but that's like batting 400 in baseball. It is mm-hmm. next to impossible. And Wilt, for all of his accolades, he was a ball hog. He was going to shoot yes. all the time. But to average, that means you have to make at least 20 shots a game. That's in 20 shots a game over an 82 game season is unfathomable to me. Now, the college scoring average, this is for a whole career. And there's some caveats with this, but I still think this is unreal. This is th- he had a three-year career, and it's a Pete Maravich, Pistol Pete, forty-four point two points a game. College is even harder <laughs> to get at. Like, I see stuff nowadays where a guy will score like this kid Amoni Bates who plays for Eastern Michigan. He was a high recruit who went to Memphis. He plays at Eastern Michigan now. The other night he had twenty-nine straight points in a game for his team, and he ended up with like forty-two. And it blew my mind that he scored that much in a game. 
Pete Maravich averaged it. Isn't there some kid from Detroit right now, too, who just broke a record? And he averages like something like 35 points a game in modern college basketball. And again, to think about that with these 20-minute halves and the way the game goes, it is so hard to average that amount of points. Even Pistol P is another one, too, that I don't think enough people realize how exceptional the basketball player was because he died so young and so suddenly he was this lightning in a bottle once in a lifetime type player and he you talk about guys from the old era who would have fit in to this modern era of basketball now he would have been he would have been oh, talked yeah. about like people talk about clay and steph and all these great great shooters who've come through no he was i, I i'm too young for Pete sure. Maravich, but um, well, I went. To, I'm younger than I'm way younger than you. And I went to basketball camps, so we talked about Pete Maravich. Yeah, all the time. I mean, he was he was definitively a uh, a player of another time. I mean, he totally. was so far ahead of his time. Going to end this first half on some football records. All right, the NFL. You know, I don't have any soccer records. I'm sorry. <laughs> football is how you say that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna end the half on just one. I I didn't know until I started to research this, and I was like, oh my god, that is unbelievable. Now, first off, we know Tom Brady has all these quarterback records, and I, oh, yeah. I remember I read somewhere that if you took Tom Brady's passing yards in his 40s. He would be the Chicago Bears' number one leading passer. Sorry, Chicago fans. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Jim McMahon, I guess he didn't throw I have to throw for a lot. Of no, no. So most touchdowns in one season, okay? So, is and this isn't, th- no, no, this isn't quarterback. I'm sorry. This is uh, oh. anything but a quarterback. So running back, wide receiver, all this other stuff. Latanely and Tomlinson in 2006 had 31. Oh my God, that's 2006. So I was playing fantasy football then. I probably played against somebody who had him, but... 31 touchdowns for a running back. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I just can't compare it to college football because that's what I watched. Blake Corn from Michigan had 19 rushing touchdowns, 19 touchdowns a season, and that was a big deal because it was a Michigan record. Tomlinson had 12 more than that in an NFL season. Yeah. Again, that's another player like Pete Maravich. I don't think people realize how awesome LaDainian Tomlinson oh, no. was when he was healthy <laughs> yeah. when he played football. And if, if unfortunate for him, he played for the Chargers when they weren't very good. But damn, that is a... That is so many touchdowns for a running back to have in a 16-game season. Mm-hmm. That's like two a game. Yeah, no, I was like, <laughs> that's nuts. That, that, that was one of those records that I was like, holy crap. Like, there's another one, uh, Night Train Lane. He has the record for interceptions. It was like 14 in one season. Oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, uh, shouting out UC alum here, Sauce Gardner, for he's about yeah. going to win the Rookie of the Year award tonight, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, maybe maybe Aiden Hutchinson's going. <laughs> no, nah, yeah. But he had like 20 passes thrown his way this year. Yeah. And <laughs> all joking aside, Sauce Gardner should win that award oh, no, because no, he was no. awesome. But if you look at modern football, nobody – stays out on the field long enough. Like, I mean, you know, just top of my head, I was like, oh, Ezekiel Elliott had a lot of touchdowns his first couple of years, but now Tony Pollard's totally taken over. So there's nobody I can think of who would even come close to getting half of that record mm-hmm. that Tomlinson has. Tomlinson played every single down, too. You have guys who are two down backs and then a third down back. It, that's That record is nuts to me. I can't believe he had 31 touchdowns. That's crazy. Yeah, now for uh, going over to running back, so the most yards in a game, for a running back is 296 on the November 4th, 2007 Minnesota Vikings, Adrian Peterson. Now he had 253 yards at half. Jeez. What was the score? At <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia thing of NFL, but yeah, that's, that's, that's just nuts. So that's crazy. That's like a career for some guys. Mm-hmm. And he did in one game. Yeah. Now, so the most rushing yards average for a career. And he didn't have a long career, but it's still, I want to say eight, nine years. Jim Brown, for his career, averaged 104 rushing yards a game. And that's back when they played like 12 games yes, this season, yeah. I believe, yeah. in the NFL. That's another guy, Jim Brown, who it's definitely, people know more about it now, but he was, he played in an era of guys like Gale Sayers and players like that who people knew who he was, but like, People my age didn't really know who Jim Brown was, didn't have any idea. Jim Brown was, he was like Jerome Bettis before Jerome mm-hmm. Bettis. People yeah. couldn't tackle Jim Brown. He was so big and so fast. And I would watch old clips of him and he just looked, he, he looked like a man amongst boys while playing in the NFL. He was, he was an awesome NFL player. And then on the complete other side of a good human beings, the most rushing yards per average for one season, 
OJ Simpson in 1973 averaged 143 yards a game. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I, that's a great record. I don't want to say anything polite about no, a no. murderer on this podcast here, but that's a great record. Now, who a lot of us, I know you and I probably agree, who think is the greatest running back ever. Barry uh, Sanders. Yes, Barry Sanders. <laughs> so a couple of Barry Sanders records, okay? He has the most seasons of 1,500 or more rushing yards. He has five. Mm-hmm. So he also That's incredible. Had, yes, he is. They were all consecutive seasons too. So for five straight years, Barry Sanders was giving you fifteen hundred yards. Now there's against a, a oh, with yeah. a horrible offensive line and guys like Scott Mitchell and oh, Rodney Peters and, and Wayne Fedora or <laughs> Flores or something like that. <laughs> yeah. As a coach, like Barry Sanders, you want yeah. the football. I tell my son all the time, football is not an individual sport because it's so hard. Barry Sanders was an individual talent because he had nothing besides Herman Moore helping him on those. Lines <laughs> teams. So in 1994, and this is also a record, Barry Sanders uh, ran for 1,883 yards and never fumbled the ball. Oh, my. See, that's the thing with him. People never, never want to talk about him because he was this quiet superstar mm-hmm. who never celebrated, but he was durable. He was reliable. And I remember the day he retired, I was shocked because it seemed so young. And so it was Calvin yeah. Johnson before Calvin Johnson. Yeah. But seriously, like people, if you don't know, or if you think I'm just talking out of my butt about him, like go watch some runs Barry Sanders had. He'll be stopped three, four yards behind the line of scrimmage and just continue to move because this offensive line, you watched it last year with Cincinnati. You can't do much with a bad no, offensive line. No. And Barry Sanders somehow <laughs> made it work. Oh, I was showing the boy like videos of Barry Sanders supposed to be sacked 10 yards behind the line <laughs> yeah. and then rushing out for like 70 yards. And then they gave it to what's his name to pound it in. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Barry Sanders would go for like fifteen hundred yards and have eight touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. He was like he was like the opposite Ladanian Tomlinson. <laughs> so in nineteen ninety seven, too, this is this is two records. This is the most um hundred yard games in one season, but it's also the most consecutive hundred yard games. Fourteen straight games, Barry Sanders ran for over hundred yards. Again, this is what you talked about, what I talked about with LeBron James, consistency. When you are consistently mm-hmm. good, when you consistently do this stuff. That's what makes you a superstar. And again, for people my age or your age, you'll get this. But I want you to think about that Oklahoma State backfield that had not only Barry Sanders, but Thurman Thomas when they were in college. Thurman Thomas, Barry Barry Sanders backed up Thurman Thomas for a year. That backfield in Oklahoma State had to be (laughs) ferocious to go against. And then for Barry Sanders to come into the league, to go to a franchise like Detroit and do what he did, I mean, he never won a Super Bowl, but he kept that franchise because he was so consistent with what he did. They were constantly in the playoffs, even with also Rands at quarterback, a bad offensive line, and a bad coaching staff. And it's because Barry Sanders kept them in games all the time. Yeah. I I mean, running the ball controls the clock. I mean, if you could imagine now, Emmett Smith obviously has the all time rushing record. And he he stayed in the league too long just to get that. He he got it when he was in an Arizona uniform or something. Just look right. Yeah. yeah, But super ridiculous. But he earned it. He earned it. He ran for it. He was consistent. He stayed healthy. So I want to end this to talk about Jerry Rice. Okay. Jerry Rice has 197 receiving touchdowns. Jesus. The person that's that's in second. Yeah. The person that's in second, who I believe is Terrell Owens, has like 150. But here's the big one. 22,895 receiving yards. Okay. It's not going to be touched. Even in this modern era of football, it's not going to be touched. So uh, I looked it up. Larry Fitzgerald was like second. He's like 5,000 behind him. But he, mm-hmm. this will give you an idea. I, I can't find it right now, but I read it somewhere. So Justin Jefferson has the most receiving yards of the first two years of a career. He has just under 3,000. They said he would have to keep up the pace he's on right now for 14 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> to reach Jerry Rice. <laughs> Oh, man, who's Minnesota going to have throwing him the ball if he's there for 14 years? I'll tell you exactly. There's going to be, well, I'm hoping they make a trade, a sign and trade for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Oh. That's my dream. But it's going to be Kirk Cousins this year. Then it's going to be Aaron Rodgers next year. Uh, and gross. then we're, we'll probably get Russell Wilson or something stupid like that. <laughs> so you're going to get all these weirdo quarterbacks? So it's funny you bring up Jerry Rice, too, because my son's really into football and we talk all the time. And he thinks Randy Moss is a better receiver because he's younger. Mm -hmm. And Randy Moss is great. Randy Moss was otherworldly. But Jerry Rice, 
again, he was as reliable and dependable as as Barry Sanders, but he had weapons around him. He had good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. He had good O-line play. He he was fat. I mean, Jerry Rice was just – it was incredible to watch him play. And, you know, you talk about seeing Emmitt Smith in an, in an Arizona uniform, and it was really weird to see Jerry Rice in an Oakland Raiders and then a Seattle Seahawks yeah, yeah. uniform. But he – he was still good when he was playing with those teams. Like Emmett Smith was clearly on the tail end of his career when he was with Arizona and Jerry Rice was too, but Jerry Rice was better when he was with the Raiders. He was better when he was with Seattle. Like Jerry Rice is, I, I find it so hard because my son always wants me to name the goat in a sport like football. And I can't ever think of anybody, but I always say Barry Sanders because he's Barry Sanders or Charles Woodson. Cause they're my two favorite players of all time. But if anybody if I really sat down and thought about it and anybody came close to that, I think I would end up falling on Jerry Rice because he was just, you you couldn't beat him. He was the Michael Jordan of his no. sport. He holds the record for consecutive uh, games catching a pass at 274. I mean, 274 <laughs> consecutive in games. Six, <laughs> in 16 game seasons, yes. that's nuts. Yeah, he, that's uh, nuts. So 274, he caught passes in 296 games. So almost his entire career, every single yeah. <laughs> game he played, he caught a pass. And, and this is against the best corners in the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's no, crazy. No, but that's, that's, where, that's where we'll end this half because I just had to – those Gary Rice numbers just – they blow my mind. I think it's younger kids, especially my son and everything, they don't realize how dominant of a player Jerry Rice or Barry Sanders was in his time. <laughs> yep, they're going to just say, okay, boomer, to us. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, it's time to talk baseball. Now, when we talk numbers, baseball, like, I can't tell you, I already forgot. Jerry Rice's record was like 22. I remember the Ladainian Tomlinson one. That was 31. Yeah, but base, never forget that. <laughs> yeah. Baseball, we are just locked into our numbers. And they, there's some and impressive. Baseball's ones. the biggest sport with, like, numbers are important in baseball. Even yes. I know that. Yeah. And you have certain things like Bob Gibson's 1.12 ERA. Which was so dominant, they lowered the damn baseball mound. They changed <laughs> Which the is, game. <laughs> yeah. The, the people want to talk, like, I love basketball, and people talk about changing rules of hack-a-shack and stuff like that. They did this back in the 60s with Bob Gibson in baseball because yeah. he was so good. Again, a lot of that, that's just a, a singularly incredible thing. And I remember every now and then when the Mets had, like, Noah Sidengard and who's the other guy they just got rid of. But uh, don't they have they have Verlander now? I yeah, know that, and but Scherzer. all their super pitchers though, they're young guys, and it'd be like June, and they'd be they'd be at like one point two zero ERA, and everybody's like, oh my god, they might break they might break Gibson's record, and then completely fall apart. And isn't there or, some or they, they get hurt? The Dark Knight there, yeah, who got hurt? He I, was supposed to be really good. I can't. I don't know. You're the baseball guy. <laughs> now, yes. Now, a couple of other the big records is 511 wins. Cy Young had 511 wins. There will not be a pitcher. If for the rest of our lives, our kids' lives, or whatever, that will ever have over 250 wins. What I want to ask you, and I don't know if you have this readily available, but 
you and I talked about what we were going to court about the other day, and you talked about Cy Young, and you said you had to mention. I said, yeah. I wanted to guess second place. Is that Greg Maddox? Uh, no, no, hold on. No, okay. So here, I believe Maddox might have the most of any quote-unquote modern pitcher at 355. Okay. But just okay. so you know, so Cy Young had 511. Walter Johnson had 417. Grover Cleveland Alexander, 373. Christy Matthews. Was that a president or yeah, something? Yeah, <laughs> 373. Pud Galvin, 365. I mean, Maddox is eighth on this list at 355. One ahead of Clemens, yeah. which is at 354. There's only 24 pitchers in the history of baseball to have 300 or more wins. Cy Young's not going to be touched. You're right. I mean, because th- I believe Cy Young not only has the most wins, but he has the most losses of all time. Too. Yeah, that's it's much- like 311 or <laughs> yeah, something. That's like how that. much he pitched. You can't <laughs> think about that. But then for Greg Maddox to be the modern era with 355, and that's the era I grew up actually watching baseball because I despise those Braves teams with Maddox, Steve, John Smoltz, and Tommy Glavin. Like, I despise those teams. I believe that's his name. Tommy Glavin was his name. But those guys would pitch. I remember they'd pitch eight, nine innings at a time. I remember. I believe it was Jack Morris for the Twins pitched 10 innings in a World Series game. And that's unheard of now because you look at pitchers now. I mentioned Verlander, Max Scherzer, guys like that. If they go seven innings, you'll ES people on ESPN would be like, they had a heroic pitching performance because they went more than six innings. A guy I loved when I watched him in college and thought he was going to be be great, Steven Strasburg, they wouldn't let him pitch more than five innings. Like, because that's what they do now with these these arms. So not only is nobody ever in our lifetime and multiple other lifetimes going to come close to Cy Young, I don't think anybody's going to come close to to, to Greg Max. No, that's what I say. It's we're not going to get a picture with over two fifty. I mean, like two hundred is is probably going to be the tops moving forward. Well, and you know, I'd like to say somebody like Shohei Otani could maybe get two hundred, but who's to say that after maybe ten years of being in Major League Baseball, he doesn't just decide I just want to be a designated hitter for the rest of yeah. my career. Now, a record, there's obviously the Cal Ripken record, which the most consecutive games, it was like 2,600 and something. Just for reference, Brett Favre holds the NFL record with 297 consecutive starts, (laughs) which I think like (laughs) second on that list, I think they said it was Russell Wilson at like 150. But the Cal Ripken one, I I always want to give special, he broke DiMaggio's record. And it wasn't that he just broke DiMaggio's record. DiMaggio's record was like 2,100. He went 500 beyond it. He went like four more seasons. So that's not being touched. But I will tell you the baseball record. There's two that I don't think will ever happen again. One is the Atlanta Braves won 14 straight division titles. They've won more division titles than the Cardinals and the Yankees? No, 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 no. Not not, not championship. Yeah, yeah. No, they won their division. They won the AL East or or NL East 14 straight years. They were the number (laughs) one team. And they have that's like one World Series win. (laughs) That's like having a baby and raising them to being a freshman in high school. I mean, 14 and I'd say they're like the Buffalo Bills, but the Buffalo Bills don't have a Super Bowl. At least (laughs) the Braves have a World Series. But man, those teams, what what is that saying? Always a bridesmaid, never a bride except for one. Except for one year, I suppose. Yeah. They were going up against those Yankees squads. So they were, time. and for the most part, and they should have. God, they lost that World Series. They lost to the Twins. You know, that was Game Seven, tenth inning. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. But I'm going to end my baseball portion here with one of my favorite players. Now, when I was younger, I hated this guy because he, at one time, he broke St. Louis Cardinals legend Lou Brock's stolen base record. And Ricky Henderson, he like he Love said he said something like Lou Brock is nothing or something like that. So everybody in St. Louis had to hate him immediately. But now Lou Brock's record was around nine hundred and something. Ricky Henderson ended his career with one thousand four hundred and six stolen bases. Holy! I mean, these baseball records that were broken were shattered. Yeah, and he had a hundred and thirty steals in nineteen eighty two. I think number one 40. in baseball this last year was like 40. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say like 80. I no. No, they don't do it anymore. But I, I always, whenever I talk about Ricky, now this is this is apocryphal. It's a legend. But supposedly, Ricky Henderson was asking why somebody had a John 316 sign in the stands. 
and somebody said great (laughs) somebody said do you not know about john 316 and ricky henderson and this is the quote said ricky don't want to hear about john hitting 316 ricky hitting 330 (laughs) (laughs) that rules that makes me like ricky oh i love ricky he thought he thought it was just some random dude named john bad 316 in the majors (laughs) yeah that's I, I want it just to be that forever. That's all I'm going to think. I never heard that story before. I, I heard that one time, and I'm like, oh, man, that's so good. That okay. makes me like like him even more. Oh, I'm sorry. There's one other sorry record that I wanted to bring up. Oh, Hold my God. Me. I love that he referred to himself in the third person. As well. <laughs> or the first, whatever the hell that is, the first person. That is... That's amazing, yeah. Ricky. Ricky batting three thirty. Oh, oh my god, that rule! There were there were a couple of other ones I did have to mention quickly. So in two thousand four, Barry Bonds reached base three hundred and seventy six times. He was only at bat three hundred and seventy three at times because they, they don't count walks as they don't count walks as an at bat. Say that didn't. Wow! So that that it, dude may have taken steroids. But he was <laughs> he was a pitchers feared him when he oh, came up to bat. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He had uh, 688 intentional walks. Holy cow. Second place on that list is Albert Pujols with about 330. (laughs) So these records are never going to get touched. No. I can't see any intentionally walking Mike Trout 609 (laughs) times in his career. No. Now, (laughs) the other big one. So I'm reading this is from a CBS Sports article. And I'm not going to tell you the player. I'll read it or you'll hear in a minute. But. Seven players in MLB history have hit 250 or have had 250 or more hits. Six of those seven seasons happened in the 20s and the 30s. In 2004, Ichiro Suzuki hit 200, had 262 hits. Wow. Man, that's, see, that's another guy because Seattle never did much mm-hmm. while he was there. Yeah. He was an incredible player. He was the king at slapping the ball. Like, to yeah. the, to, he was a left handed hitter and he'd slap at the left field all the time. But so for me, Growing up, my favorite player of all time was Tony Gwynn, and Ichiro Suzuki was like the modern-day Tony Gwynn. I think a lot of people think that, but I'm surprised Tony Gwynn doesn't have any like unachievable records. I, I know he was probably the player who ever came closest to hitting 400 but and probably maybe had like the least strikeouts in a career, but Ichiro Suzuki was, seriously, people younger than me in your 30s who watch baseball, like go back and watch the way he approached in that bat. It was... Ichiro Suzuki was amazing, a- amazing, and amazing. And not only was he a great hitter, he was a great right fielder. So. Oh yeah, no, he's he's one of the best baseball players ever. That yeah, part of it was part of it. He came late to the game because he played in Japan. <laughs> and if he if you took his hits from his Japanese playing days, he's far and away the number. I think he's the only player to ever have over five thousand hits professionally. So many hits, yeah, that's so many hits. There's all of that stuff. But yeah, he was a great player, seemingly like a great dude. Played till he was like 45 or something. Yeah. I mean, it's... no. Him, him and Tony Gwynn were, were my dudes when I yeah. was young. I know Tony Gwynn, I think he has the most silver sluggers ever. He has like 17 or something. But He always, he consistently hit like 330. Yeah. You know, well, Ricky so, and Tony batting 330. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, the, somebody had said if uh, Tony Gwynn had ended his career on like an 0 for 1,000 streak, he still would have over a 300 career batting average that's how and good yeah he was. and this is against the greatest pitchers in the world not just the u.s because baseball is a worldwide sport mm-hmm. tony gwynn was just again i didn't see ted williams play but in my opinion tony gwynn is the greatest hitter of all time i did there was two i forgot about one is um the longest win streak in basketball ever, UConn basketball, women's basketball, won 111 straight games at yeah, one time. I, I remember I watched <laughs> the game where that streak ended, and it was just it was shocking to see them get beat because well, UConn's women won so much. Right. I bring it up because this last week they lost two games in a row for the first time mm-hmm. in like 25 years. Yeah, two-plus decades. It was <laughs> yeah. all, all over ESPN. That, yeah. that was insane. And then um, the longest – like a uh, professional venue sellout. And I bring this up. We were talking about off mic is the Cincinnati red single a team is in Dayton. It's called the day. They're low a, I think is what it is. It's called Dayton dragons. And it's a small stadium. Don't get me wrong, but they sold out 1,385 consecutive games. That's, that's tw- incredible. That's 22 years. Yeah. I just, that's, that's amazing. And 
like for people who've never been to a minor league baseball game before, it, those are hard to sell out. You have to do a lot of stuff to get people to come. So they've been doing it for 20 plus years. That's that's incredible. Now, I'm actually I'm not going to talk soccer or anything like that, but I am actually going to talk about a hockey player. OK. Oh, my. <laughs> so <laughs> just because when you want to talk about what well, you say, you know, your son's always asking, like, who's the goat? Who's this? Yeah. And it's uh, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about Wayne Gretzky, but it's not yeah. just about. Gretzky being so look there's a debate I don't think it's a right debate after I saw the last dance it's no doubt in my mind that Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever because the man I, LeBron James isn't a psychopath and no yeah exactly <laughs> LeBron, is, LeBron is a normal human yeah being. yeah <laughs> so I mean Michael Jordan was either going to be a, a world conquering villain or a great basketball player and he, he chose being both kind of yeah <laughs> you want to look at it but there you know people can debate in football people can debate all this other stuff hockey there's no debate and oh. I'm just going to go through these are records that Wayne Gretzky has in hockey that players are not even close okay he has the most and the second most goals scored in the season. He scored 92 wow. goals in one season. Wow. Second on that is like Brett Hall or Mario Lemieux had like 80 or something like that in a season. But Gretzky has 92 in another season. He scored 87. The point is, you don't even get close to that stuff. He also had the most assists in a season, which means he assisted <laughs> on a goal at 163. So that year, he was responsible for like 200 goals. That's nuts. Wow. <laughs> He's uh, well, well, well past everyone else on the most professional goals and most assists. So he's got all that. He's got the nine MVP awards. That's most wow. of any sport ever. And when they talk about hockey points, they talk about assists, goals, and all this other stuff. Only player to get over 200 points in the season, and he had three straight seasons where he did it. Oh, my God. He, wow. scored, <laughs> he scored in 51 or he had a, a point, either a goal mm. or a um, or an assist, assist in 51 straight games. He also had 50 goals in 39 games one year. Now, wow. this is back that's when hockey, amazing. again, not that everybody knows a lot about hockey, but that's when hockey uh-huh. scores were like two to one. Uh-huh. You know, it was very, very hard to score in hockey. But when you look at Gretzky's records and you see them, St. Louis Blues legend Wayne Gretzky. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think he played like three months there. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's it, it, it's not close. It, when it no. comes to like Brady, yeah, he's got like a passing, the passing yardage and the touchdowns, but he doesn't have like the passing per game or whatever, all this mm. other stuff. Gretzky has every record. There's like yeah. every single one. And there's great players in the game and stuff like that. They can't even touch. They can't even get close to reaching these records. I wanted to give that because yeah, that, no, that is, if you're going to talk about greatest ever, I, there's not, look, Secretariat's the best racehorse ever. Gretzky's the base, best hockey player ever. That's it. Yeah, and I know next to nothing about hockey. I do know the name Wayne Gretzky, and I know him from hockey and watching Sports Center stuff. I also know him from the movie Swingers. Vince Vaughn's character <laughs> takes the guys, messes with the guys, control and bloodies Wayne Gretzky's head. But also, when you and I lived together, you would walk around doing that bit he did from Saturday Night Live. He's in Hawaii <laughs> saying a mokalaki hiki means a hot. <laughs> and it made no sense and the bit didn't work, but for some reason that's always stuck in my head. Oh, yeah. He was, he, he is one of the absolute worst SNL hosts ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a professional. Yeah, actor. yeah, he he's was not an actor. He was just <laughs> bad, but I, I do. There's one I'm going to end on, and you can. There's these weird just records. They're they're freakish records. You never know what's going to happen or anything like that. There is a cardinal. Uh, his son has not been in the news very well lately, but Fernando Tati Senior. Oh, yep. He hit, I remember this game. I know exactly what you're talking about. He, April 23rd, 1999, in the third inning. He hit two grand slams in one inning. So (laughs) that is the record of RBIs, eight RBIs in one inning. It is also the record of the most runs given up in one inning, (laughs) which is the weirdest part of me. Chan Ho Park was the Dodgers pitcher who gave Mm -hmm. up. How in the holy hell do the bases get loaded? A home run gets jacked on you for a grand slam. Do you go through and the guy comes back to hit it again? Well, at what point do you think the Dodgers pitcher is like, let's see if he can give up, or the Dodgers coaching staff is like, let's see if he can give up two grand slams. <laughs> like, to me, I remember I remember when that happened. I was 17 when that happened. I remember it happening, and 
I was thinking, because I didn't know who Chan Hopark was. I couldn't have picked him out or whatever, but I was like, is this Rick Vaughn for Major League pitching for the Dodgers right now? He's like, and Fernando Tatis, like, you talk about yeah. two grand slams, so people who don't know are probably like, oh, this is probably some jack dude. He was no. a tiny, teeny tiny shortstop. Yeah. When he played for the, and the Cardinals weren't very good in the in the late 90s. So the fact that he did that and he got instant like cult fame in St. Louis when he did that. And I went to a game earlier, maybe it was last year or something, where they were playing, the Cardinals were playing the Padres, and Fernando Tatis was there, and everybody in the crowd was like, hey, they said over the intercom, hey, shout it out for Fernando Tatis. He's here in the crowd today. Everybody remember when he had two grand slams? <laughs> and we're all like, woo, yeah, we all remembered. So it's crazy that he did that. And when I was talking about like UConn women and stuff, everybody, we think modern era, they're probably the most dominant sports team. I, I did have, this is where I'll end this part, but I did have to say, so in sports, the Montreal Canadiens, this was in like the 50s or 60s or whatever, went to 10 straight Stanley Cup finals. Wow. But they they didn't win them all. They won, I think they won like seven or eight of them. Oh. But the Los Angeles Celtics, and again, this must have been the 60s or 70s. Sorry, the I don't Celtic? Know the Los Angeles right, Celtics? So, sorry, the Boston Celtics. I'm getting, Boston Celtics. Okay, yeah. I was confused. I thought you were telling me about a new team. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, won eight straight titles. Mm-hmm. And that's the record for any... Yeah sports team of just straight titles eight now i know well let's see my um my minnesota vikings with kilo g as my quarterback we just lost our fifth straight we just we won four straight super bowls but just lost our fifth one i think you had a university of michigan team that won what like 30 national titles it was it was yeah i remember i think i got to like 25 and thought all right i gotta start over again because this is no it got to the point where it was no fun for me to keep continue playing as that team anymore but yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that we talk about now is, you know, Fernando Tatis hits two grand slams, or Donovan Mitchell scores 70 points in a game, and you're like, oh, those are video game numbers. But you look at some of the records we talked about today, mm-hmm. and those are video game mm-hmm. careers that these real-life people put yeah. up. That's 31 touchdowns is insane. <laughs> that's- Nine MVPs is unheard of. Like, th- this stuff is crazy. Yeah, like it's it's nuts that human beings were able to do this. I mean, I know we talked about the unbreakable records, and they said Wilts was or uh, Kareem's was an unbreakable record, but it got broken. Yeah, look, is somebody going to score more than thirty-one touchdowns? Non-quarterback going to score th- more than thirty-one touchdowns in the game? I just hope they're on my fantasy team when they do it. I mean, it's <laughs> I don't, it's but I don't, the, but so. I don't think it's going to happen. You're right. Yeah. I, 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 it's. I hope people who listen to this go back and look at some old Ladainley and Tomlinson videos. I hope totally. you go look at old Barry Sanders videos. I mean, yeah. Jerry Rice. Watch yeah. Jerry Rice separate from corners. Yeah, yeah, and you just you just don't think of it, but man, no. it is. It, it's just mind blowing. It's. Uh, but well, and that's what makes LeBron breaking that record even more like stunning that he was able to do it. And again. Jordan's still my goat, but there is no question who the second greatest player yeah. of all time is. Yeah, I, I don't think any of us will. And I do want to say this last thing about LeBron is because I was very skeptical. We've talked about it a lot <laughs> coming in. You know, Brett Favre had a nice long career. Then he's, you know, texting pictures of his junk. He's to, a jackass. Right. And he then he's stealing, he's stealing money from poor people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to a sensory deprivation I, tank to bitch. I said, so real quick about mm-hmm. that. He's going on this four day darkness retreat or whatever. And I said to my wife, I hope he doesn't die, mm-hmm. but I hope he gets so sick he can't play football. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have my point is, for the most part, a lot of these guys, I mean, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, again, he didn't do anything terrible, per se. But no, we all got to watch. Yeah, we all got to watch his marriage dissolve. Things exactly. Like that. So all of these players that are great, that have been around the long time, there's there's some again, Tom Brady's not Brett Favre. Don't get me wrong. No, but, no. <laughs> but LeBron for 20 years and. Yeah, the right wing hates him because he says we shouldn't kill black people or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he opens a school for disadvantaged children in Cleveland. He yeah. he backs it. The dude has stayed out of trouble. He again with Kobe, it's like man, sad Kobe's dead, and he was a great player. But but yeah, <laughs> he you know, do that with LeBron. Yeah, he's still with. He's been married to the same lady. He's talking yeah. to his kids during a basket. Like he's a good, loving, yeah, present father. Like, so good, good on him. I mean, yeah, yeah, got to give it up to LeBron that way. I mean, it's like I think you put it perfectly with the reason why I think, in our opinions, that LeBron will be number two is that he's not a psychopath. Yeah, 
Michael Jordan was crazed and deranged and singularly focused on being the greatest basketball player. LeBron is focused on being a great basketball player, but he's focused on giving back. He's focused on his family. He's focused on his wife. He has interests outside of the sport of basketball. And he just happens to be a flipping awesome basketball yeah. player as well. Yeah. All right, Ty. Well, if people are going to search you out to negotiate the next big NBA trade. Where are they going to find you? <laughs> are my podcasting record? <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, though, check out my stuff on SeedSing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You mentioned, you know, trades and stuff. We sit where I'm at one hour, where you're at one hour away from the NBA trade deadline, the day we're recording this, I'm going to write an article after all that goes down so I can talk about some of the big trades. Obviously, it's going to be mostly focused on Kevin Durant going to Phoenix because that's a seismic trade. So, But check that stuff out. I write about movies and everything, at, too, at Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on Chucklehead Chat. Did an episode of that recently where we talked about Jim Halpert. And I had a lot of fun. My buddy Glenn Adams, he hosts that. You can go find him on Twitter and everything at Chucklehead Chat. But most importantly, listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. I like doing stuff like this. I like talking about sports, and it's fun to just shoot the breeze about it. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us, check out your Patreon, check out our Patreon, and as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, repeat all that, SeedSing.com, Ex-Millennial Man, and... I don't hate Kansas City. I don't. I um, <laughs> You're frustrated. I, I, I don't hate TCU, but I hated them for a couple of days. I yeah. So, so I, I hope you all enjoy the big super game bowl and uh, all. all <laughs> we of, can't say that. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was listening to Distraction, and they were like, I think you can say it. So they're like, all right, Super yeah. Bowl uh, sponsored by. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I figure if Winnie the Pooh is in public domain now and can become a murderer in these movies, <laughs> we could say Super Bowl. If you want yeah, to. that's right. That's we're, the best. we're a very niche podcast. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the best way to end it. All right. Talk to you next time. Take it easy. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.